again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 171. And as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always great to end your day with an ice-cold, frothy Labatt Blue. And we do ask that you drink our Canadian beer responsibly with that said let's bring in our guest on episode 171 of the red and white authority it is ken daniels the television voice of detroit red wings hockey for valley sports detroit it's always great to catch up with ken ken thanks for joining us i really really appreciate it art my pleasure always great to be with you well the red wings finalized their roster we're doing this on october 12th uh, Tuesday, uh, the start of the NHL season. Red Wings don't begin until the 14th where they host the defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. But they did pare down to their 23-man roster yesterday. Uh, Ken, your thoughts on the roster? Uh, any surprises? I mean, Cider, uh, Lu- uh, Mo Cider and Lucas Raymond both making it, and it does appear that Joe Valeno is uh, certainly knocking on the door. Yeah, and I think just the way it works out for Valeno to take time, Art to play in Grand Rapids with the likes of Jonathan Berggren, see where his offensive game is. And really, I guess some may be surprised that Bobby Ryan was let go, Lucas Raymond made the team, but you want to see what Lucas Raymond can do, whether it be nine games or more games than that. I don't think they're concerned about an entry-level contract sliding, and if he plays more than nine, if he's in your, your top six, then he deserves to play it, then he'll play it. So, and if there's injuries, Bobby Ryan doesn't find work elsewhere, then maybe he comes back. And injuries, Joe Valeno comes back. And they always said they are going to play 8-D to start the season. So I'm really not surprised, Art, with the roster. Well, you know, I, I wanted to ask you something. It was kind of odd because when Jeff Blaschel announced that they had released Bobby Ryan from his PTO, uh, you know, he wished him luck and said he's a great guy and hope he catches on. Then the Red Wing official release, there was a statement in there from Steve Eiserman who essentially, you know, and maybe I'm reading too much into this, kind of left the door open for, depending on how the early season plays out, that Ryan could be back. I mean, is that, I don't know, I, I guess I was surprised by that. I, I, I'm not used to Steve maybe issuing a statement like that. Nor am I, but it didn't close the door, and he obviously likes Bobby Ryan and what he represents, and Bobby Ryan's a a good guy, and he plays hard. Obviously, he's had loads of injury problems through his career, and just like the Red Wings are going to have injury issues. So I think it leaves the door open, tells Bobby Ryan, hey, maybe you find work, and if not, and we've got injuries, you come back. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, especially where the Red Wings are right now. And and Bobby's a character guy, so Steve showed his character too, saying, you know what, I'm not closing the door. Let's let's see what happens. And there was no reason to shut that door. No, not right I, now. No, yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you on that. I mean, uh, you know, I think Bobby Ryan, I mean, obviously last year was an odd year. We really didn't get to, to meet him face-to-face or know him only through Zoom calls, but he certainly seems like... Uh, uh, a, a real upbeat guy, and I know he was a good presence in the room. Uh, let's look at at the two rookies, shall we? Um, uh, Mo Sider. Uh, I, I thought he had a, a bit of an up and down uh, preseason, and I'm not so sure that it's wise for the Red Wings to play eight games bunched into 12 days or whatever it, it seemed like, because the team looked dead the last four preseason games, in my opinion. But I mean, your your thoughts on Mo Sider as as we head into the campaign? Well, first off, although I know why they do, I wish they played five or six preseason games. <laughs> that would probably suit me fine. And, and I think, um, you know, even for some of the veteran guys, I think most of them think if the veterans are going to play four to five is, is all right. And that's how it should be. And as for Mo Sider, he's 20. 
we were going to see this and some fumbles with the puck. And that's what I've been saying all along. Just give it time. Let's not put too many expectations on him. Let him see the game and how it's going to come to him. And there's going to be mistakes. He's going to make mistakes when he's 24. The only guy who never seemed to make one was Nick Lidstrom. And those are few and far between. So there's going to be errors. He's going to learn the game. And it's going to be up and down. And, and let's not put any pressure on him through this season. And, and in part, that's why I'm glad Lucas Raymond's on this team to start because it's going to take some of the pressure with all the eyes on Moritz Sider. They're going to put some eyes on Lucas Raymond too and there's going to be eyes on Zadina and young players playing. So that's okay. And, and let Mo Sider make mistakes. He's going to make them. Let's expect them to be made because that's the National Hockey League when you're playing against men and you're 20. Right. You know, I, I mean, I, I certainly see a lot of potential there. He does not lack confidence. And I, you know, and I think that he has a, a goaltender's mentality, shall I say. If he makes a mistake, he, it doesn't linger. You know, he has a short-term memory, which, you know, which you actually I think all professional athletes should have. But, I mean, he certainly seems to, uh, uh, to fit that bill. And do you like that pairing with Nick Letty? Yeah, I do. And, and Letty can be a good mentor for him. And let's be honest, I mean, Letty's game is offense. And he's going to go, and Mo Sider's going to, going to learn to play defense. It can also jump up when he needs to, but he's going to learn that part of the game. Letty's going to go, and that's okay. That's what he does. Uh, defense isn't his strong suit, so Sider uh, takes up a, a lot of space there. Letty's not small either, and Sider's uh, going to, you know, in the defensive zone with a good stick and take that, as the coaches love to say, the time and space away. That'll help. He's going to learn as he goes, but Letty's going to be a good mentor for him. Yeah, I think he will too, and I, I also think this. And maybe I'm, you know, I'm a huge uh, uh, Mo Sider fan, uh, but I, I think the player that we see on October 14th against Tampa and the player we're going to see 20 games into the season are going to be completely different. I mean, I think that he has that type of talent, and I think he is a really, really smart hockey player. That he is, uh, 100%. And you know what? And if he's not here all season, would you be shocked if he goes down? I don't think most should be. Should they? No. You know, I, I think people would be disappointed, certainly. But shocked, I guess, if, you ha you know, if you're being rational about it, like you just said, he's 20 years old. Right. He's playing defense in the NHL, the best league in the world. So let's be rational. Let's be rational and, and know that he's 20. And if uh, the, this team does have eight defensemen and pretty veteran defensemen at that point. So if all of a sudden he's not getting the time and this team's on a roll and things change and he's not used to playing this many games in this short a period of time with the Olympics and an all-star break this year still to be, right. uh, it's a pretty condensed schedule. So why not? Why not give him a break? And if he needs that space to work on his game and you're playing more on weekends in Grand Rapids than during the week, why not give him that time if need be? It doesn't have to be forever. It's not a failure. He won't be the first guy to spend time in the American Hockey League when you thought he might play and then come back up. So again, I, I think for most Sider, as Red Wing fans, I just hope don't have any expectations except maybe two or three years from now. Then have some expectations, just like we will with this hockey team. All right, let's let, let's turn quickly to Lucas Raymond. Then I'm going to go through the 20-man roster to kind of break it down to what we believe the line pairings would be in the defense. And then we're definitely going to get into the real important stuff, the uh, upcoming uh, virtual uh, Brett Hall roast for the Jamie Daniels Foundation. But with that said, Lucas Raymond, and I know I've talked to you about this before, and I've said this before on previous podcasts, 
when he was drafted, Steve Eiserman said he has the potential to be an elite level forward in this league. Again, Steve is not effusive with praise. When he said that, I thought, my gosh, uh, they might have really lucked out, even though they dropped from one at number four to get a player like Lucas Raymond. I think when they got Lucas Raymond, they were pretty happy they got Lucas Raymond at four, and they should have been. And I know some were comparing and, and not, and Lucas Raymond really worked on his shot. Mm-hmm. I mean, even from a standstill, he's really worked on his shot. He's got a great release, but he's also an elite passer, and you saw some of that on the power play and through the seams and the passes that Lucas Raymond made. And I know, and not necessarily from our organization, but I know from other scouts and people who watched Lucas Raymond, even when the Red Wings took him forth, the comparable had more often than not been Mitch Marner. And one thing Mitch Marner can do, besides not being able to score in the playoffs, but that's another story, <laughs> is is he he can certainly pass, right? And, and for Lucas Raymond, both ends of the ice, the effort, he strips pucks, he drives lanes from the wing. So overall, and, and we saw him at the, at the World Junior Championships in 21, he was good, but he wasn't happy with his performance. Even though his effort was good in both zones, I think that just tells you who Lucas Raymond is. He's a driven player who wants to be the best that he can be. Well, you you know me, Ken. I mean, I get overly enthusiastic about many things, but especially when it comes to the Red Wings. And I've been saying for years as they have gone through this rebuild, they really need to catch a break on a player. We have seen very young hockey players at 19, 20 uh, come in and be very much a force in this league. Could Lucas Raymond be that type of player, or do I have to, like, amp it down a bit? Well, you always have to amp down a bit, Art, because that's you. But (laughs) the rest of us go through life, and we try to be even keel and not have those ups and downs. However, having said that, I think when he was picked in the draft, and I loved Tim Stutzler from day one when I saw him at the World Juniors, and I remember going on our our pregame show uh, Red Wings Live and talking about him just having watched the games in the afternoon that we had a game that night. But Lafreniere, Byfield, and Stutzla. And I remember talking to scouts beforehand, before that draft, before we knew even where the Red Wings would be. And they said at the time, if you were anywhere in the top four, might four or three or two be better than one, better than Lafreniere? Possibly. Not saying they can't be, and not saying Lafreniere isn't going to be really good, but I think even before that draft was made, the Red Wing brass knew whomever they picked at number four, even before they were number four, knew any of those top guys could be a number one guy. So, yeah, you can have the expectations, but again, just realize that they're young and they're going to get there, and you'd you'd love to see Raymond be that type of guy, right? I I think at, at both ends of the ice, the way that he can play the game and the smarts, I think he's a Steve Eisenman type of player, and I think that's why they liked him. Right, I, I agree with you there. I mean, you know, I, I mean, I've said it now, and I, ad nauseum. Uh, I mean, I think the number one criteria if you're going to play for the Detroit Red Wings, and I think this goes back, as you very well know, for decades, is high hockey IQ. You got to be able to think and anticipate the game. That's what they want first, because I think they think the rest of the game will come to you if you have the smarts to know how to play. If that makes any sense. Yeah, and it does. And in all honesty, and I know you love them, but look at one of the guys they dealt. Big Tony. Right, right, right. In all honesty, you know, he's a big body, but did he use it? And defensively, and, you know, he had the shot, but to compete, and sometimes it's it's just appearance. 
and how you're looking and how you, and how you're getting to that spot you need to be at. So I I think Raymond and even in the short time that we saw Jacob Verana play, right, we saw that from him. So yes, it's smarts, and I think they saw that in Cider when they they took him sixth. Uh, maybe a surprise to some. I don't think it was a surprise to the Red Wings. I think they were very happy when Simon Edmondson fell to number six. Well, I, I think no he w- was their guy all along when they took Edmondson um, that, that he would fall. And in, and in fact, he did. So I think they were quite happy about that. Well, right. And, and, and I know that we were texting during that. And I, I know you kept saying, you know, Ed, you kept telling me it was Edmondson, yeah. you know. Before the draft started, right. as a matter of fact, I have a screenshot of that text. You said, which suite are they taking? And I said, Simon Edmondson. That's right. right you know, I, I, re- I do remember that. And, you know, and I haven't checked lately. But the last time I checked, he's doing very, very well for Frulunda in the uh, Swedish Hockey League, Simon Edvinson. So here uh, is another player that, again, not trying to compare them, but the size and maybe his hockey IQ might be along the lines of a Victor Hedman. That's what I've heard. Now I Could be. I've heard that too, and I think that may be, well, you never know. It may be a little high. On, on that end, but one thing they wanted for sure, and you already had Mo Sider, I think they wanted to shore up the left side. And you've got a guy that big who can play left, you've got Mo Sider who can play right, and if they both pan out, I'd say that's pretty good for the next decade. Yeah, I do too. Let's, uh, let's move on to the uh, current 23-man roster. This was based on uh, uh, practice lines that the Red Wings were doing. The top line of Tyler Bertuzzi, Dylan Larkin, and Lucas Raymond. Uh, I mean, obviously, these are three very high-skilled and very talented players. Uh, your thoughts on maybe this uh, this being the Red Wings' top line? Well, it, it will be for now. I think, I believe we said, no, I don't think, I know, that I, I said last season that Dylan Larkin misses Tyler Bertuzzi. Right. And you could tell uh, just the way that Tyler will get the pucks. And having said that, it's going to take Tyler some time to get the pucks. He hasn't played in that long since January 30th, but for a few games in the preseason. So it's going to take Tyler some time. Can they find that chemistry again? You hope so. Raymond obviously needs to play with a, a skilled guy to start. That'll certainly help. And I think Bertuzzi will will help Lucas Raymond too. And it's obvious that Lucas Raymond is going to play um, in your top six. So I, I like it, whether it be Zadina there or Raymond there, and there's going to be some shuffling, and maybe it's not even Bertuzzi there and with somebody else. And I know you're going to go to line number two now, but I sort of wish that it, it we can reunite the storm and uh, Suter, Fabry, and Bertuzzi, but we'll probably see that at some point, just like their junior days together. Uh, we, we probably will. So go ahead with line number two, Art. Well, I'll go with line number two. But, you know, I wanted to ask you something, and, and I was going to ask you before we went into the lines about Jacob Rana. I thought Jeff Blaschel said something that was really, really interesting because we talked about Anthony Mantha, and I wish the BTDC Express all the luck in the world. You're right. I'm a big fan of his. Really good guy. Uh, But with all that said, uh, you know, Mantha always told me he needed at least five shots a game. You know, five shots a game. I heard you say that, and he wasn't coming close to that by the end of the season. (laughs) Right. He really wasn't. But he always said he always needed five shots a game. When Verona showed up, Jeff Blaschel said something that, look, he's the type of player that doesn't need many shots to score goals. And I think he proved that. And, I, you know, and it's, it's a shame that he's going to be out until after the Olympic break, realistically, until probably late February, early March. But 
I don't. It, it, I know it's a huge loss, but yet then I look at I look at guys like Raymond Zadina, Fabre. Heck, I'll even throw Adam Ernie into there. This is a huge opportunity for these guys. Yeah, it is. One man's one man's absence is another man's opportunity, and you could have quite a few men in there relishing that opportunity. And I don't know what they would have done with Raymond, whether he would have made the squad or someone else is going down. But then you know the Giovanni Smiths of the world and those need waivers, so it, it actually freed it up. That, that, that Raymond is part of this team. But, um, yeah, it's an opportunity for the other guys to, to show what they can do. And Verana, in a short time, showed what he can do, and so dangerous off the rush. The last three seasons, Jacob Verana, the points per 60 were around 2.5. Right, right. And that was the, those are really good numbers. Whether that can be sustained with Detroit, different players with the Red Wings than, than he had playing with Washington, even though his ice time was down a little bit. But that tells you, even in limited ice time, what he was able to produce in Washington as part of those last three years with more ice time here, and unfortunately we're not going to get to see that until the 22-23 the season for the most part, right. all but a couple of months here. But... Um, I, I think Verana showed well, and you, you have that to look forward to, and then look forward to those who are, are filling spots, not filling spots, but, but getting a better opportunity until he returns. Right, definitely. I mean, it, it is a loss, but as you said, I, I'm looking forward to seeing who's going to step up and try to fill that scoring void. The second line, I'll tell you, I really like this line, and I really, uh, I, I mean, I didn't scratch my head. I, I kind of I did. When the Red Wings signed Pew Suter, I scratched my head because it's like, well, why wouldn't Chicago sign him? Yeah, I, I, I'm with I, you. I, I, did, I didn't understand that. But then I look at this line, Fabre, Suter, and Zadina. And last year, Fabre and Zadina had chemistry. Granted, it was only a game or two until COVID hit the team along with Bobby Ryan. I think this second line is extremely formidable. I do too. And uh, Suter, I don't know if Suter's necessarily a driver of play. He's really good around the net. He tips pucks, he's quick, and he's smart. Now, he played not all the time with Patrick Kane, but he had some pretty good wingers. I would say he's got some skilled guys with him, as you say, with Zadina and Fabry, too. So that'll be very interesting to see what he can do. He's very accountable defensively. Um, you know, I, it, it'll be neat to see when not surrounded by the Hawks that he played with and at times with DeBrinket. But I know, speaking with Mark Crawford in the past, who uh, had him when he was a teammate of Austin Matthews um, when they were playing. I think Mark Crawford coached um, Suter, I believe, maybe he's a 19-year-old when he's a teammate of Austin back in 15-16. Mm -hmm. I think over there when Austin went before he was drafted by Toronto. Remember, Austin Matthews right. went to play overseas. So I, he's a smart player. I don't know how much of a driver of play he is, but we're going to see some of that um, without the likes of Kane with him. But I think Suter's a very reliable guy, and Red Wings have seen him score lots because he scored lots against Detroit. I don't know whether it was five of his 14 goals came against the Red Wings. I think it was. Yeah, including his uh, you know first three goals in the National Hockey League. But he was fifth among rookies in goals, sixth among rookies in points. So... It's pretty good. It's not like a Chicago was a dynamite team. They had some dynamite players, and, and you know, until Kirby Dock was finding his way, et cetera, Suter was a pretty relied-upon guy there right, in yeah, Chicago. I, yeah, and, that's and, good. and Taves was out all year, right? right Taves Tav was out, too, so and he Tav got his minutes. Right, yes, right, and yes. Taves is back. You're right, you're right. I mean, so yeah. maybe, it was, maybe it was more of a numbers game than anything. Uh, you know, I, I, I want to look at this second line. I think Robbie Fabre could lead the Red Wings in goals this year if he stays healthy, and 
Uh, yeah, I, I just think that he is, uh, he has been nothing but a, almost, and I know I'm over-exaggerating here, a bit of a godsend since he came over from St. Louis. And I, I just wish the hockey gods were kind and just just somehow just gives Adina a goal. Let, let him, let, you know, let the floodgates open just a little bit for this kid. For Fabry or Zadina, which well, Fa- Z- Fabry I think is there. Yes. Zadina, you know, I, I think I think Fabry has been a real player for Detroit. Zadina, I can't say I don't like his game, and I know it's got to be eaten away at him that he's not scoring. Well, you know, he's got to get that. I don't know how much in those first few steps he can find that little bit of quickness that maybe he needs. Um, right. he, he can be a give and go player to get into the slot and and, and an area for a shot. And shot decisions have to improve. And once you work on deception and you work on that, that's a great thing for the power play too. He, he's got a good shot. He's a good passer, but he needs to be a better shooter. And I think he's worked on that and finding those first few steps to get open and quickness and get away from guys. That's all going to help. So I think he's got it in him. And maybe, you know, if Fabry can find the scoring range, and you're right, he could very well lead the Red Wings in goals. But if they're playing together for a large portion and all of a sudden now teams are keying on Robbie Fabry, what did he have, 10, 10 goals last season in 30? Yes. In 30 games? And, you know, he nearly had 20 as a rookie in St. Louis, and but for injuries and, and so snake bit in that regard. Yeah, Fabry stays healthy, you're right. He could be up there among the goal leaders uh, for the Red Wings. I think he can take overtake Adam Ernie. I would I would think he can do that. So, uh, you know, we'll see how and how Zadina does, too. I, I'm really hoping that Zadina finds the range. I, I really am. Right. Yeah, no, I, I really would, too. He works hard. And, again, he doesn't look out of place on the ice. But, obviously, you know, he's here to score goals. And I know that, as I said earlier, it's eating away at him. The third line... Uh, you know, a player I've always liked, uh, Michael Rasmussen is, you know, known as Plum, and uh, uh, Adam Ernie and Sam Gagne as a third line, which, uh, you know, I, I, I give all three of these guys credit because Ernie really stuck with it. He didn't have a good first year in Detroit, but really uh, came through, saw some power play time. Rasmussen is a worker always was going to work on his game and try to make him the best player that he can be. That's still a work in progress, but I like what I see. And then Sam Gagne is, you know, I hate this expression, but I'll use it. He's a pro's pro. He's just a good guy to have on the team. Oh, yeah, and I, and I, and I believe that when they, you know, when Bobby Ryan wasn't kept aboard, that's probably part of the reason because you've got Sam Gagne there um, for leadership. Rasmussen, if he can stay healthy, he's going to be that net front guy on the power play. I don't know what his offensive ceiling is. That's tough to tell. I don't really know where that's going to be. And you, you really hope for, for Rasmussen, can he be a 10 to 12 goal scorer? I think if he weren't scoring at least 12, um, you know, at even strength, he'd probably be disappointed, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah, even if he no. scores, even if he gets six or seven on the power play, okay. So maybe he scores 10 at even strength, another six or seven on the power play, and he's a 17-goal scorer. You'd hope so from where he was picked at ninth overall. You hope he can do that. But again, uh, you just don't know, and there's going to be so many others competing for time. They're going to have a, a couple of pretty good power play units, and I really like the way that, that Alex Tangay worked it. And Gagne can be a part of that too. Smart guy who's been around for a while. Right, and the fourth line, yeah, I mean, Gagne is a smart guy. I mean, I, I, I think that's a, a nice, safe line if that, uh, yeah. when I look at it. And then 
Uh, fourth line, I, I I thought the moment they got him, and when I looked at, it, he was a right-handed shot when they acquired him from Tampa, and he had a high. It, granted, it wasn't a it was a small sample size, but his faceoff percentage was impressive. I think it was over sixty percent. Uh, Mitchell Stevens anchoring that fourth line at center, and then any combination of Carter Rowney, uh, Giovanni Smith, and a guy who I think really needs to pick it up a little bit is Vladimir Nemetsikanov. You were close on that name, Art. Yeah, yeah. You know what? Nemesnikov. I kind of combined what his real name is and what our good buddy Ted Coffin calls him. <laughs> All the time. I, 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 I'm always on. And Ted just laughs. Love Ted. Yeah, he just do. laughs. He knows. It's not a chance he's going to get it right. I, I understand. Um, yes. I, you know what? For Rowney and Stevens, Nemesnikov, and whether it be Giovanni Smith or Adam Ernie at time and moving up in that lineup, that's okay. Um, and you're not relying on the Glendennings and Helm, so you're going to see some different looks now. And Glendenning and Helm were actually going up further in the lineup, and now that's taken away. So you're going to have to see the kids play in those roles and not just subbing in Glendenning. But even penalty killing, how are they going to work? Fabry may get some time at penalty killing. I I, I think, I, you know, where, where, where people thought Bobby Ryan and Carter Rowney's here, I think Rowney's a nice pickup. Mitchell Stevens, better the player you know, and certainly Steve Eisenman, Pat Verbeek, they, they know what Mitchell Stevens brings. And I think that's a perfect fourth line, whether it be Nemesnikov, whether it be Stevens in there, or Rowney and Giovanni <laughs> Smith, however, which way you're going to go in there. I think it's a, it's a good fourth line with, a, with enough speed there and enough hockey smarts. And Rowney's been around good players through his career on um, Crosby and Malkin and the likes of that. He was out in Anaheim for the last little bit. Steven's been around really good players in his career. So I think they know how to play. I just think they need some opportunity and they're going to get it here. I talked to Jamie Pusher up at training camp, who now is like uh, number three man uh, with Tampa Bay, former Detroit Red Wing defenseman. Uh, you know, somebody that, you know, quite frankly, I'm surprised isn't here in Detroit, but that's just me. I have no inside information on that. But he told me Mitchell Stevens was the type of player that just needed a shot of confidence, that he was a player. He made Tampa last year, but he got hurt. Uh, and, you know, I, I think when we look at this fourth line, this combination of uh, uh, Nemetsikov, uh, uh, Rowney, and Smith. <laughs> no. I'm having a tough time. Go with for it, it again, I, will you? It's on my mind now, and I know how to say his name. I know you do. Curses Ted Coffin, no, but I, I can't blame just Ted. But I think sure you can. We can all blame Ted. Go for it. That's okay. We can blame Ted. Okay, we will, Ted. It's your yeah, fault. But it's his fault. I think the consistent thing here on that fourth line is Mitchell Stevens, if he stays healthy, certainly, is going to be the, the center on that line all season. Well, I, I, I believe so, too. And, you know, he was part of back-to-back -back Stanley Cups, only played seven playoff games in 20 in the bubble. Uh, but remember, his injuries in Tampa allowed Ross Colton to right. grab the fourth-line center spot. So we talk about guys who jump up into spots and make the most of their opportunity. Look what Ross Colton did, and then he ended up scoring the cup-winning goal. So he's done pretty well. And his injury got a spot for Ross Colton, and now Mitchell Stevens is out of there because of that. But acquired for a sixth-round pick, that's okay. That's not a problem. He's got a lot of energy with his skating. He's a right shot. And, you know, pretty good on face-offs. Career, well, I don't know what it was, 52, 53% on face-offs. So, you know, try it. Try it. That's okay. 
Ken, because we're running out of time, I really want to get to the uh, silent auction, the Jamie Daniels Foundation, the Brett Hall Rose. So I'm going to look at the defensive pairings. Yep. And, you know, uh, the, the, the left-handed shots, all veteran guys, to Kaiser, Letty, Stahl, and Osterley. And then the right side, mostly young guys, Troy Stetcher, the old, the elder statesman. Uh, and then Gus Lindstrom, Mo Sider, and Philip Hironic. You look at it now, the, the way they've, they, they've been practicing, and they switched it up yesterday, so I'm not sure if this is how it's, it's going to hold true. DeKaiser, Hironic, uh, Letty, Sider, Stahl, Lindstrom, Osterley, Stetcher. And I love that first you say Hironic, and then you got to write said Hironic. It's interesting, right. Art. Right. I, I love listening to you pronounce names. Yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah. You know, that, that that comes with being raised by a Greek mother whose first language was Greek, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> and uh, you know what? You know what? I'm really happy. and not He was a good kid, but I'm really happy. Not Dan Renouf, but the one who wore 21 before him is no longer here because that one you just couldn't nail, Dennis Jalowski. Yeah. You, you know, and, and I think Dennis made Seattle, if I'm correct, which I'm happy about. How about Svechnikov? Off, I think making Winnipeg. I, you know, I guess you know. I'm not surprised by that, actually. I mean, fourth line, fourth line, making Winnipeg of Genny Svechnikov. Good for him. Yes. Good for him. Yes. So yeah, you know, happy buddy. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think we're used to ex Red Wings making other teams. I mean, obviously during the glory years, you know, no one ever cleared waivers. If the Red Wing guys were always taken, but yeah, you know, we certainly wish all of them luck. But uh, yeah. uh, defensively, I think this defense is, is about as deep and as sound as it has been in a number of years. Anyone you, I, I'm with you. I, I look at some other teams around the league, and I'm watching the previews on television, seeing these teams, and and here's their starters on defense, and I'm going, holy crap, the Red, Red Wings defense is deeper than maybe you know, in, in terms of depth, honestly, maybe top twenty. Top 15, middle of the pack in terms of depth. They may not have that stud. Right. I mean, Letty's pretty good. Heronic, Cider may be a stud one day. But in terms of just overall compete, and even you can throw Jordan Osterley in there and Troy Stetcher and Mark Stahl, when you look down the list, and yes, they're carrying eight, and we don't know what Lindstrom is going to be, but the other seven or well, okay, other six because you don't know Cider yet too, and there's going to be some growing pains here. But overall, I think their depth is as good as it's been, and probably better than than I don't know all but maybe 15 or 16 or 17 teams. They're they're in pretty good shape on the back end, I would say overall. <laughs> I, I mean, I, you know. I mean, I think that I think they are too. And if Danny DeKaiser is completely uh, healthy, I mean, he right. is. Uh, he's certainly. Uh, yeah, I know people always got down about his salary, which seems I think almost cap friendly at this point considering what people are making but uh you know danny de kaiser uh you know talking to him earlier he did a podcast this summer he always does one during the summer and uh uh you know there were times last year where he thought it might be over for him so well you know and you never know when you have the back surgery and you never know which nerves can get touched and just set you off a little bit because it's dicey whenever you have back surgery and i know about that because my broadcast partners had a few right um so with with danny i think with the left leg you just had to get the strength back in it and you work at it through the year you have the back surgery and all of a sudden you're playing on one and three quarter legs but they they're just missing a little bit in his left leg and couldn't really push off and as the season went longer he got got stronger 
and you hope through the summer and what they do and the workouts that this year he's going to be back. You may never be 100%, but you may be better than 75, and now you're going to be at 90%. So I would think the way Danny would play, and I love that, that Jeff Blasher refers to him, the, the subtle little plays that all of a sudden something's knocked out of the air and you become that human eraser. It's not like Dan DeKaiser is going to win a Norris trophy for his defensive work, but still, little plays that he can make because of his size, knocking pucks down that you don't really notice. Maybe he'll do a little bit more of that and with whomever he's paired with can be a valuable guy and on penalty killing for sure with the space he can take up at the size that he is. Right, I agree. And, you know, I, I think three-on-three three in overtime, he's pretty darn good too. I mean, he... Uh... You know, he seems to be able to skate very, very well and is able to create a little bit. Uh, you know, I, I look at uh, everybody else. I mean, Gus Lindstrom is quietly understated. If you're not saying his name, then he's doing his job. Yeah, and I'm not sure how many games he's going to get into with eight, but I'm sure they'd like to see what they've got, right, in, in Gus Lindstrom. So it's, it's, we'll see what they have. Um, you know, camp testing, he was much improved over last year. So we'll see what he's got to give this year. I remember when he was drafted, the Red Wings drafted him really high. And second round, right? Second, second round, round, yeah. 17, they, yeah. I remember yeah. the, uh, you know, the, you know, I, I, you thought that Red Wings were, uh, people were shocked in the arena when they drafted Mo Sider six overall. They were just as shocked when Gus Lindstrom came up at like 36 or whatever it was. I'm going off the top of my head. You know, Jordan Osterley, good veteran presence, good offensive thing. I mean, again, Mark Stahl, what can you say? I think he was a pleasant surprise last year. I mean, again, and I know we've already said it, but defensively, the Red Wings, I think, are going to have a really sound six guys day in, day out, game in, game out. So that's, I'm with you. And that's then the nice, and the, and they got size back there. It's at Stall right. being six four, and we talk about DeKaiser's size, and and Letty isn't necessarily small and over you know 200 pounds. And the good thing about Mark Stall is he wanted to be here, right? He wanted to come right. back right. on a one-year deal. Sure, he got the no-move clause, but in the end. Does that really matter if, you know, you go to him and he wants to go somewhere, fine. But they weren't signing him just to move him. But you never know what the deadline. Maybe he acquiesces and goes somewhere. But, yeah, I, I, I think size back there, and that's what it's about. Sure, you know, in the defensive zone, they always talk, especially when playoffs come around, and I'm not saying playoffs for the Red Wings right now, but when they do come around, what do they always talk about? Boy, that defensive big. Boy, they, there's no room in the, in the defensive zone to play against that group. And the Red Wings have some size back there, and I think it's good to see. Let's go into net. You know, Thomas Grice... Uh... You know, certainly study had, uh, you know, was the COVID goalie, unfortunately, when they went through that 0-6-2 stretch for the most part, uh, but really seemed to find his game. Uh, I was a fan of his when he was with the Islanders. You know, he does have a history of either being really, really hot or not so hot, but, uh, uh, you know, he's obviously a steady presence in that. But I think maybe the big question is uh, Nadalkovich. Uh, uh, you know, and I know we can't judge him on, on the preseason. Where do you think Ned's game's at? That's a good question. I wouldn't want to judge it on the preseason, and I don't know where his game is at, period, considering he hasn't had that many games in the National Hockey League. Right. What is it, 29 total? 29 uh, total. 23 last season without playing any more than six in a previous year or the number last season. He's still up for the Calder Trophy. So 29 NHL games. He could be the first two-time Calder finalist. Let's see. We, we hope he plays well enough that – he can get there. I, I also think it's interesting that, that you know, he's wearing the, the, the number of your buddy there, Anthony Mantha. Does that give you any pause for, for, for cause at all? You know, it, it doesn't really, you know. I mean, <laughs> okay. I, 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 mean I, 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 I've already, I, I, I've made peace with the Mantha deal, and, uh, 
you know, I, again, because, you know, no, again, not nothing against uh, the BTDC Express, as I call them now, but, I mean, that was a good trade for Detroit. I, you know, I'm sorry. I mean, that was really, uh, I yeah. thought, a really good deal for the Red Wings. And, you know, and I guess I'm just used to, uh, you know, Steve doing those kind of things. But, uh, but Nadalkovich, uh, again, up in Traverse City talking to several other scouts who were there during the Prospects tournament, they said maybe the biggest question mark at all for the Red Wings this season is Nadalkovich in net. Yes, because there hasn't been that lengthy resume, and you just don't know, and he was playing behind a very stout, very structured uh, Carolina defense, which will look a little different this year without Dougie Hamilton. But, uh, you know, Carolina passed on him. Now, you never know in Carolina whether it's just a, a money thing, but obviously they thought they could pass, but I think it's a great opportunity for the Red Wings what they got. You just don't know. And it didn't cost them much, right? Rights for Bernier in a third-round pick this past June. And that pick came from Vegas. Um, so really, that completes the Tomash Tatar deal, you know. Right, Which right. the Wings also got Valeno and Robert Mastersimone. So, and now with Alex, and now Alex with the third round. So that's pretty good teamwork. Started by Ken Holland and finished by Steve Eisenman. Right. So when you look at Valeno... Nadelkovich, Master Simone for Tatar, who's now on, what, his third team since right. that deal, right? Vegas, Montreal, and now Jersey. Okay, I'll take that one. So I, that's a pretty good deal for Alex Nadelkovich. So I, it'll, it'll be neat to see how he plays, and I hope he's terrific because whatever they're doing here and as Grice gets older, now, you know, he's 35 now, um, that, that he can, until Sebastian Kosa gets here, that Ndelkovic has this two-year deal and maybe many more to come. So, But that would be the question mark this year be, just because his resume isn't that deep. Well, when you, I, I don't know if you've had the opportunity yet to talk to Sebastian Kosa, but I have. And first of all, I really like him. Uh, you know, I guess his uh, one side of his family is actually from Sarnia. Uh, oh. And, uh, you know, he talked about he, until he got to, to Michigan for the uh, prospects tournament, uh, he, he walked on the Blue Water Bridge, never crossed it, but walked, walked on it, he said. But uh, I, I think his plan is next year GR, and two years from now he's a Red Wing goaltender. I mean, I like that kind of bravado. I'm not quite sure it's going to be that quick of a timeline, but, uh, you know, hopefully Kosa, he, and he's playing on a stacked Edmonton team this year in the WHL. So, uh, uh, but that, that's good. I, you know, I know, Ken, we're running out of time. I want to get to the foundation stuff, but I want to ask you two really – just quick questions, and then and then the remaining time we'll talk about uh, uh, what the important stuff here. Uh, the, the oh no, this auction. is all important, Art. It's all when yeah. you, you when you host a podcast, Art. It's all important. Well, thank well, thank you, Ken. I appreciate that. <laughs> but I, uh, you know, uh, Alex Tangay, the power play look. I thought the Red Wing power play looked pretty good this preseason until all the games started to mount up and a few injuries, and then the whole team looked gassed. But but aside from that, looks like Tangay might have a clue it might be a good addition in this power play could be I was 11.4 percent last year conversion rate am I is 18 asking too much um I don't know what the league what was the league average last year I can't remember I'd have to figure what the league average was but um listen just an improvement just the puck movement just seeing different looks even seeing Hironic on the flank now 
Um, and then the power play didn't have Bertuzzi last year either. And where they're going to position Rasmussen, you just got more talent. Now you don't have Verana this year, but you've got Raymond this year. So, so many different looks that you can have. So I like that it's not so stationary. I think the movement was really good. And Raymond's such a good passer to find the seams. And I think all that's going to help Dylan Larkin. And Aronik doesn't have to be your main go-to guy. And you've got Nick Letty. So as much as Alex Tange is going to bring different looks and he's got different personnel to work with, and I think it's great. One thing about Alex Tange for sure, he didn't shoot a lot in his career if you look at his numbers. But I mentioned this on, on our Red Wing, one of our preseason broadcasts, which I found astounding, that Alex Tangay's career shooting percentage was 18.6. Now, wow. you go through the analytics now and you see someone shooting and everyone will say, well, you know, that, that's going to digress. You, you, can't, you can't keep that. That's got to go down. But his career shooting percentage was 18.6. So he looked for the ideal opportunity to shoot. I don't think he's necessarily telling all <laughs> these guys that. But he sure knew how to pick spots, and he sure knew how to get open. He had great skill. Didn't have great speed, but he was a hard worker. So what he can instill there and, you know, was an assistant coach with the Iowa Wild. And also what I think Alex said really helped him, and I'll say this is good for him and good for us, when he worked for the NHL Network, breaking down games. Right. So he was watching games from all around the National Hockey League. And now you take what you see there, you take what you see there, then you go in, you're coaching the Iowa Wild, you try some things, and I'm sure what he's seen over the past from his own experiences playing, and I think he played, if I remember correctly, as much as Detroit fans may hate this, he played with some pretty good players in Colorado, I think, to learn uh, different methods on what he can do. And all that comes together. When you ask coaches now, who did you, you know, players who became coaches and who did you learn from? Well, they all played for so many different coaches and you take a bit here and a bit there and a bit there. And that's what Alex Tangay is doing. It's a whole different look for the Red Wings. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, I do too. I'm, I'm real eager to see uh, uh, the progression of this power play. And then this might be something maybe only you and I care about, but... Uh, Food I, on the plane? Part, yeah, well, on the plane... I, we, 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 when we're on the plane together, Ken and I, we are in the, 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 the guys from Bally's cannot believe how we go at it. I mean, we, we just debate stuff, you know? I mean, we're friends. We like each other very, very much. I mean, but I, I think people think, you know, and I mean, I like to get Ken going and he likes to get me going, but uh, on the plane is a lot of fun. But with, <laughs> with, with that said, I really want to know your thoughts on because i had no problem with nbc and hockey to be honest with you i mean it, i didn't either it, it started off a little shaky there with uh versus or whatever it was called in the uh the i worked for versus i i worked when it was versus yes <laughs> the card yep. table set but uh, yeah. aside from that but espn tnt a new era begins are you looking forward to it or yeah, I am. I, I know watching TNT's preseason, boy, <laughs> they have some rough times. But I get it. Just the audio was gone and the studio mics weren't up. But uh, I, I, I love Jonesy and, you know, Keith Jones. I, I think yeah. they're going to do a wonderful job and Eddie and Kenny. And they're going with fewer broadcast crews than they had. Just really two main crews now. And I understand that. So you don't have quite the, the opportunity that I had to do, you know, since 2011 or 12 working for Versus or NBC. Maybe there were, you know, some playoff series in there and maybe three games a year or something. But still, it was just different for me and I enjoyed it. I really liked the way that NBC did games. When I did the Nashville, uh, Carolina, uh, one of their games in the playoffs, we had to do it off a television monitor uh, when I, I traveled to New York to do that game. But it was fun just 
being with everybody there. And it was a really good group, and I know they love the game, and they work really hard from Catherine and, and all the crew, whomever was working those games. So I really thought NBC did a really good job. I still miss hearing Doc, who I think is the best outside of Dan Kelly, who I listened to growing up right. with St. Louis Blues in the 60s and, and, and 70s and with Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, I love Dan Kelly, but I love Doc, and I miss hearing him. But I'm looking forward to what, you know, TNT and their, their studio and what they've done with Barkley and Shaq and the likes. And, and Gretzky's not going to criticize people, but I, I think they'll work with him. Charles Barkley in the beginning wasn't great. I don't know if you ever watched the series they did on TNT and how it came to be. And I think I have seen excerpts of it. I don't think I've wonderful. seen the whole thing. Wonderful. Great stuff. And, and, I, and I, I, I think it can be that too with hockey and with uh, Paul Bissonnette involved. And ESPN has their guys and how they're going to do things. So I, I think it's great. I think it's great for the game. Certainly get more exposure from ESPN. And I'm watching baseball last night and I see the TNT games promoted. I think it's great. It's just about growing the game, and I think it can do that. I, I, you know, maybe folks had trouble getting the NBC Sports Network channel, which ultimately, you know, uh, had, had some issues. That you know, we'd go to hotels on the road sometime and couldn't get it. I think you're going to have more access to TNT and ESPN Plus, and the kids can all find out how to stream that, and they'll just be fine with it. So I'm looking forward to watching it. Yeah, I, I am too, and and you know. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm 100% sure Charles Barkley's going to make his way on that TNT oh, show. Oh, he loves hockey. Yeah, right. He does. Oh, he does. He loves hockey. And uh, with Paul and I, and I think Wayne's going to feel comfortable because Panger's going to be in there with, with Wayne when Wayne's doing games and, and, and Darren's going to be uh, as one of the crews with Brendan Burke. So I, I'm looking, I'm just going to sit back and watch and enjoy and I'm just glad hockey's back. Right, I am too. And now uh, you did mention Darren Pang, which is a, a great segue in the remaining minutes that we have here. Uh, on November 22nd of this coming year, a virtual roast of Brett Hall. Uh, it'll be on Valley Sports Detroit. Uh, Pang is the roast MC, and Brett Hall, last year, Scotty Bowman and uh, Brett Hall. I guess, uh, Ken, when it comes to the Jamie Daniels Foundation, it's Hall of Fame all the way. Yes, it is, and we're really looking forward to it. And Scotty's roast last year was pretty good. Even my dog's happy. Jack Daniels is pretty happy about that too, good, good. barking like crazy when someone comes home. But uh, yeah, Darren, Darren's hosting the roast portion, and Cintron has come on to sponsor the roast portion of that event. And Cintron has a deal now with the Detroit Red Wings. You'll see there the premier energy drink. Uh, on the boards at Little Caesars Arena. So we love the fact that Cintron came on board and I love their product. And Delta Dental is third straight year as the presenting sponsor of the Jamie Daniels Celebrity Roast. So Darren Pang is gonna host the roast portion. We've taped it. I think you're gonna love it. Uh, Kelly Chase and Garth Butcher oh, wow. have Brett Hall stories to tell, which are very, very funny. Dennis Hull, uh, Brett's uncle, right. is a part of it. Ken Hitchcock, cup winning coach with Brett in Dallas. And his first agent was Brian Burke. And Brian's on there too. So from Brian and Ken and Garth and Kelly and Darren and Dennis, uh, the roast, I was just sitting back and laughing. And we're going to tell some of those stories through animation. So when it airs on Valley Sports Detroit, you're going to see some of those animated as well. And uh, it, it's going to be a fun night. I mean, Scotty's was more of a tribute right. because he's Scotty Bowman. With Brett Hall, you're not, you're, you're telling Brett Hall stories because there are so many. And with Scotty Bowman, we had the tributes. 
more so. But it's also a time with our Celebrity Roast where we can also tell our mission and our story and our mission is about recovery and to get people the help that they need. And we have to continue the conversation. We're still looking to build long-term recovery housing in Oakland County, and we hope to have a shovel in the ground by November of next year. So we're working toward that, and that's where the funds are going, as well as now we have the Jamie Daniels Memorial Scholarship at Michigan State University. We're in four colleges now as well, including Central and Ferris State, Mid-Michigan. So, and we're working with the University of Michigan to be part of what they're doing in recovery housing too, to help kids who have to leave and maybe have to go to rehab to offset the costs that involve. So that's where the dollars are going. We're writing grants to these colleges to help with full-time recovery coaches and we want to build long-term recovery housing. So that's where the money is being spent and believe me, the silent auction when you tune in and if you're not in the Detroit area, on Bally Sports Detroit for November 22nd, it'll run from 8 to 9.30 and again from 9.30 till 11 o'clock. And if you can't be with Valley Sports that night, uh, it'll be on YouTube as well. So wherever you are across the United States or in Canada, you can watch it on YouTube and you'll want to be part of the silent auction. There were just so many items from a Steve Eisenman autographed Red Wings guitar, Brett Hall autographed jersey, Mike Tyson autographed boxing glove, John Travolta autographed Pulp Fiction framed movie poster. Wow. We've got items from Paul Coffey, Shaquille O'Neal's size 22 shoe art. Wow. Yes, you need a really big shelf to handle that shoe, okay? Oh Barry Sanders autographed football, and we've got a beautiful Wayne Gretzky framed autographed card set from 82-83, uncut, 50-card sheet, Nielsen chocolate. Put them out, and in front and back, and each card tells part of Wayne's story, and oh, the best wow. thing is Wayne signed it, and I have a photo of Wayne signing that a beautiful 50-card sheet, and so many other things from the Red Wings and game use sticks from around the National Hockey League of prominent players, and we've got golf packages and Red Wing game tickets, so much, and you can sign up for that. The auction, by the way, Art, and thank you for letting me tell this part of the story. Yep. Uh, early bidding will start November 1st at 4 p.m. The auction will close November 23rd at 12 p.m. Eastern. So that's a day after the roast will air on November 22nd. You just go to uh, jamiedanielsfoundation.org and click on the auction button uh, November 1st or anytime thereafter, sign up and you can bid. And it's all on your phone. You'll be notified if you've been outbid and the auction will go until the uh, afternoon after the roast airs on November 22nd. So it's going to be a fun night. Uh, I think you'll love it. There'll be lots of laughs. Brett Hall was wonderful to do this. Darren Pang's a terrific host and... Um, and we'll we'll tell our story and our and our mission as well. Well, you know what, uh, you know, I you know, it, it's near and dear to my heart too and uh you know, I wish you nothing but the best. Whatever I can do, Ken, you know, I I'm there for you and the early bidding again November 1st at 4 p.m. and the auction closes November 23rd at noon and to register jamiedanielsfoundation.org and you click on the auction button and uh, yeah, that that Wayne Gretzky card set is something that I'm I, I may have my eye on. I have to be honest about that, Ken. It is. It's pretty cool. And I took it to uh, Miller Framing in Farmington Hills, friends of mine. Uh, we, we lost Dave Miller uh, all too early, mm -hmm. but they were kind of, and they're going to frame it so that you can see the front and the back. 
So that's pretty cool too. So if you want to take it off the wall and show somebody or look at his his life along the back, I thought it was pretty cool. Ken Whitmell, a friend of mine, uh, was with Fanatics up in Canada, and I've known Ken for many years. He donated that to us. So so many people have come through with auction items just to donate them and sure try this and see, and you go, wow, that's fantastic. So you know, and Steve signed the Red Wing guitar. So I, I think it's it's pretty good. You'll find some good stuff on there. Yeah. So that that's always fun. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I. I I know, I know we've run out of time and you got to go, but, but I have a really quick Brett Hall story. When, when he was playing for the Red Wings, you know, the, no matter how good they were, you know, January was always a tough month for them and they'd lose like two or three games in a row or, you know, panic would set in. And I'm hosting the Red Wing postgame show in good old Studio P and I, I'm talking and, uh, you know, and, and people are in, as I said, in the panic and I'm going on and on about, well, hey, you know, don't worry about it. The Red Wings, you know, they're still a good team or something. And, uh. Um, I got this guy who was like, uh, I, I don't know, he was some sort of physiologist or something saying that, that you know, as you go through growth spurts, you also go through um, aging spurts. And that the Red Wing team collectively, because they were all like in their 30s or something, or a lot of them were, were collectively going through an aging spurt, meaning that they were aging more rapidly. And so, <laughs> and so um, Brett Hall comes in. And he's got a, you know, he's, he has a, you know, adult beverage in hand and he sits down, he puts on the extra headset and he's sipping and he's listening to this, you know, he's listening to this and he gets up and goes, what was that guy saying? And I said, well, he was just saying that how, you know, we go through growth spurts as young adults. As we get older, we go through age spurts, meaning that, you know, the age that most of you guys are at right now, you're in the middle of a, uh, of, a of an age spurt, meaning that you're getting, you're, you're aging more rapidly. And Brett Hall looks at me and he gets up and he shakes his head and he says, and he points, he, he takes two fingers and puts them up to the temple of his head and says, it's all up here, man. It's all up here. Exactly. You know, and then, and then he walked away. I'll never forget it. I mean, it was funny, but again, it's, it is mental. I mean, you know, if that's, that's the biggest barrier these fellows have to clear. So for sure. And I remember Brett Hall when his last game and we finished the season when he was done the year after won the Stanley Cup with the Red Wings. And it's the end. Of, I think it would have been the 0203 uh, season. Uh, Brett's last with us. I believe that was mm -hmm. the right year in 03. And we're on the bus after our final game that season. And I said, uh, and I said, Brett, as he walks past me, he stops. And I said, Brett, if I don't see you again, I just want to tell you what a pleasure it was to call the game that you played. And he looked at me and he sucked out his hand. He said, don't worry, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> that was Brett. I won't see him again. And you know what? I seen him once since in St. Louis when he was with the Blues and, and you know, just working with the St. Louis Blues and now to see him now. Now he's now in Nashville now uh, on golf course and selling homes to those who want beautiful homes on a golf course with the rich and famous. And that's what Brett's doing now uh, out in Nashville. Wow. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be wonderful. November 22nd, tune in. It'll be great. Really, certainly a character. And, uh, again, uh, that'll be the, the November 22nd, as you said, the virtual uh, uh, Brett Hall roast, Darren Pang, the MC, and the roasters, Kelly Chase, Dennis Hall, Ken Hitchcock, Garth uh, Butcher, and Brian Burke. What a, a star-studded lineup. And then the, uh, the auction, early bidding, November 1st, 4 p.m. Auction closes November 23rd at 12 p.m. And to register, jamiedanielsfoundation.org. Click auction button, and you're all set. Ken, it's such a pleasure. I know you've given me more time than we allotted, and, and I do appreciate it. 
Uh, you know, I, I enjoy your work so much. As I've told you for years, I knew you before you knew me because I would watch you on CBC, that Sunday night sports report you used to do. 15 That's minutes, right. It was solid. It was solid. And you had a mustache looking oh, good. That pornographic mustache. Yes, Art. <laughs> That's right. Those were the days, my friend. What was I thinking? I thought I looked like Tom Selleck, but not even close. Well, yeah. you know what? Well, you, you, you've always been a pro and you've, you've, you're an excellent broadcaster. You always do a great job. And uh, again, Thanks for being on the Red and White Authority, Ken. I really appreciate it. Look forward to seeing you down at the ring. Thanks. Thanks, Art. Same here.